Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 1 of Farscape. Season of Death. As a reminder, last episode, Aaron fell in a hole. Dramatically. She, she fell into a frozen lake and drowned because she couldn't unlatch her harness because the Scorpius chip inside of John's head took him over and forced him to kill the woman he loved. Yes, Chip Scorpius forced John to boop Aaron into a cold, wet hole. And now she's gone forever. I guess, I guess technically a lake is a cold, wet hole. So yeah, Aaron's dead. And John... Aaron is super dead, gone forever, never coming back. Dead. And John went to have the surgery to have the chip removed because... All of the risks didn't matter since it had caused him to kill Aaron, and that was that's that's no good. Kill her forever. But while well, the chip was in the middle of being taken out, right right as the doctor had cut his speech centers, uh, Scorpius showed up and burped in the doctor's face, killing him. Yes, or her, them. Yeah, whatever the doctor is. <laughs> However, the doctor identifies. We, I don't. I feel like we don't really get a clear read on. On gender. gender? Yeah. I mean, the doctor has, like, an Igor who uses male pronouns, but you're right. I, I, the doctor is pretty uh, ambiguous as far as aliens go. Mm. So, I just have to throw this out there. We're watching this on Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime does these, like, pop-up trivia facts. And the pop-up trivia fact that it wanted to give us on this episode is that Virginia Hay and Hugh Keys Byrne, the guy who plays the Igor, were both in Mad Max movies. And I'm like, well, they're in Australia, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like a given. Who, who, who in Australia hasn't been in a Mad Max movie? It's like saying that you're in Xena. It's, Duh. It's like saying that a New York stage actor has been in Law and Order. Back when I lived in Connecticut, when my family and I would go, you know, down to New York to see Broadway plays... One of the things we were, would always do when we were waiting for the play to start was uh, guess how many of the actors had been in Law and Order. That, then, that sounds like a fun game. Yeah. yeah. So this episode, by the way, was written by Richard Manning and directed by Ian Watson. So we are in good, capable hands. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the previously on goes forever. A lot of stuff happened. Aaron fell in a cold, wet hole. Scorpius burped in that guy's face. John got interrupted mid-brain surgery. So the episode opens with everyone on Moya kind of pacing around, waiting to hear from John so they can go back down and pick him up. I guess they all decided to wait on the ship. Okay. Yeah. Zan is wearing a completely new outfit again. I I mean, I know it's it was her funeral outfit. It's what she was wearing for the funeral specifically. But, uh... How many changes of clothes did they let her have on the prison? Uh, I mean, I guess they've been in space long enough to... For her to buy different clothes. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting because they knew Virginia Hay was on her way out because the makeup was messing with her system so bad. So they knew she was on her way out. So it's, I feel like they were like, let's just let her have all of the cool outfits that she wants now. So did they use different makeup for Gigi Edgley or were they like, eh, she hasn't been on the show as long. The poison will take longer to get through her system. Well, I think that Virginia Hay had a reaction to it. Like, it wasn't just that it was... Poison makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they put lead on her. It's not like they painted her in liquid gold so that her skin suffocated like that. 
bond to lady. Yeah. Which is how she dies in the movie. That's not a real thing. Yeah. But then there's an urban legend that it really happened to the actress, which is weird. It's like, it was just a movie. Oh, but like the person who was originally supposed to play... Uh, the Tin Woodsman? Yeah. Yeah. Bert something? or no, Buddy Bert, Hackett. Buddy Hackett. Yeah, yeah, Buddy Hackett. Yeah, he couldn't he he couldn't hack it. The, the makeup was, was poisonous. So down on the planet, Braca is attacking the Igor, Grunchlik, and we learn that uh, he called Scorpius and that he and Scorpius basically had a deal that, you know, he would call Scorpius as soon as Crichton showed up. How many people in the Uncharted Territories did Scorpius reach out to and was like, hey, uh, if some guy named John Crichton shows up, give me a call. I'm surprised he, I mean, I guess it makes sense because this doctor was the doctor who gave him his... Oh, right, of course, of course, because Scorpius... Got his heat suppression rod system from this doctor. Right. Which makes it even weird. I mean, I know it's, ooh, he's an evil monster guy or whatever, but it makes it weirder that he was so willing to kill him for basically no reason. Are you 100% sure that that rod, cooling rod system that lets you stay alive is never going to malfunction? Yeah, like, I get I get being evil for evil's sake, but that just seems like a straight up bad idea. Well, Scorpius is, like, doing a lot of evil for evil's sake here, because now he's like, well... You called me, but instead of paying you, what if I kill you? And it's like, Scorpius, if you walk around doing shit like that, people won't call you anymore. And then Scorpius is like, but look how evil I am. I'm going to suck the brain off of the neurochip like it's cake batter off of a beater. Yeah, he's eaten a bit of John's brain and thus gained a little bit of his intelligence and or pop culture savvy. Yes, he got he got a tiny bit of his Star Wars references. Yeah. Now he's he's gonna make references to Yoda that nobody's gonna get. Yeah. Alternate ending. Chewbacca is Luke's father. What? <laughs> From The Simpsons. Oh, oh, okay. Martin Prince's uh, collection of secret Star Wars stuff. His mom tries to sell the Androids Dungeon. Got it. Got it. Anyway, back in John's brain, the Scorpius clone is still there. And he's like, yep, yep. Can't get rid of me, John. And John's like, I just had a... Thanks, unnecessary brain surgery. <laughs> and then we go to the opening credits. New opening credits. Yes. Okay, so there's a new song. The credits are like the 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 text that shows people's names that goes across the screen is kind of updated. It looks cooler. It looks more expensive. What's Claudia Black still doing in the opening credits? She's dead forever. Also, Lenny Tupu and Paul Goddard are added to the credits, so, uh, Pilot and, and... So wait, Crace is, like, a regular now? Crace is a regular this season, yeah. Huh. And also, I mean, Lenny Tupu also plays Pilot, so he really should have been in the opening credits from the beginning. Mm. And, uh, Stark is added to the opening credits, and, uh, Wayne Pygram, uh, Scorpius is in the opening credits now. Too many people in the opening credits. Yeah, they're gonna have to kill off someone. Bet it's going to be that Delvian. Aaron's already dead. Why is she still in the opening credits? Also, you should have like five people in the opening credits. Maybe six. If I ran a TV show, if there had been a fake out death like Aaron's at the end of last episode, even if everyone knew she was coming back, I would have removed her from the opening credits just so that there was that second where you were like, wait, wait a second. Well, for uh, our... 
Sorry. I was going to say there's probably a contractual thing about removing people from opening credits. You probably would have had to, like, negotiate that with her agent. Well, not to go back to Buffy. Are we going to talk about Superstar? No, I could, but no. Uh, I was going to talk about how initially uh, they wanted Jesse to be in the opening credits in the first episode, so it would be a surprise when the character was killed off. It would be like a reverse thing. Like it, like Drew Barrymore in Scream, where they cast a really big name to be killed off in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Or, darkly, when they did get their way, when Amber Benson was added to the opening credits in the episode before she died. Yeah. Although that wasn't... Was that to... to throw people off the trail because i always just kind of assumed it was just a dark thing where it was like oh amber benson finally negotiated being in the opening credits right before they got rid of her character was that to like throw off viewers i mean i don't know i just assumed it was a thing like that because you know she wasn't in the opening credits despite being a i don't know if she was in every episode but she was a main character so it was weird that she didn't make it into the opening credits until the one episode before she died i guess that makes sense that makes me angry for Amber Benson. Yeah. Seems like a real F.U. Well, given what we know about Buffy now, it seems like there's a lot of petty power struggle stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, back to the opening credits of Farscape, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple other changes. Uh, I mentioned that they changed the song. It kind of has a similar feel, but again, it, it sounds more, I want to say, like, orchestral. Mm. It sounds more powerful. Also... It's not, real quick, I don't usually talk about music cues, it's not usually something I notice, but uh, I do want to say that the song that they played during Aaron's funeral last episode was in a minor key, which is what you do for tragic songs. Mm -hmm. When Aaron comes back, they play the same song in a major key. I just, it's cute, it's cool. Also, John's like, now he's not like, ooh, I want to get back to Earth, he's like, so... I kind of want to go back to Earth, but at the same time, I'm more comfortable in space now. And also, I'm afraid if I do go back to Earth, aliens are going to come and blow it up. So, yeah, maybe getting back to Earth isn't really my goal anymore. Oh, that reminds me, we're going to have to change the name of one of our segments. Because our segment used to be just looking for a way home, but now it's going to have to be the wonders that I've seen. Yeah, because he also, he's like, you know, I don't want to lead aliens to my homeworld, Earth. But also, I've seen a bunch of cool stuff, and I want to share it with people. And I'm like, maybe just don't go back to Earth. Like, I mean... I, I feel like Earth is fine without you, like, I don't know, giving them dentics. Yeah, I mean, his whole life he was a scientist who was trying to come up with a way to bring intergalactic travel to to humankind. So, I, I can see how there would still be a part of John that was like... I really want to do this. Also, they changed the way that John's monologue sounds. So now, instead of being one monologue, it's John speaking over himself. There's there's two Johns speaking now. He did that before. No, nope. his, his help me overshadows his help me. You're right. The help me does overshadow it a little bit, but it's it's much more it's much more overlapping now. Mm. It's you know more dramatic, and now there are two Johns. So let's get into it. New season. Everyone dies, apparently. Season of death. Season of death. So we come back to the frozen corpse room, or the frozen near corpse room. Yes. Also, like, I, okay, I, I just, 
kind of love the character that we get introduced to in this scene. So, yes, as you said, we open in the corpse room where Grunchlick, the Igor, is like, Ah, no, I'm still super valuable. Don't kill me. And then, like, Squarejaw McGee comes in and he's all like, Hey, I'm a peacekeeper pilot. I'm the best pilot in the fleet. And he's just such a stereotype of your, like, Captain Kirk, Commander Riker type that I feel like it has to be on purpose, especially considering what happens to him in this episode. I don't remember what happens to him in this episode. He he gets shot out of the sky by Crace. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's probably a... <laughs> yeah, so he comes in. This is Officer Cobran. We've, we've never met him before, and as I, as I just mentioned, we will never meet him again. Well, it's like uh, in the first Contact movie where it's the normal bridge crew, and then there's like this one square-jawed young guy, and you're like, okay, well, something bad's gonna happen to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although, I mean... There are a lot of square-jawed macho guys on Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, he, he it just felt like he was a riff on, oh, look, we have a Kirk-esque character on the bridge crew with everyone in. Oh, oh, Borg got him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, you know, I never really paid attention to Officer Cobran before, but I think he might be my new favorite one-shot character just because of, like, I, I never really noticed how much this is mocking, like, pulp sci-fi. Hmm. But yes, he comes down and he tells... Scorpius, that the command carrier has been delayed. So Scorpius came in on a prowler, you know, on a stealth trajectory, and the command carrier was going to come pick him up. But now the command carrier is five hours away, and he's like, okay, there's no way that the rest of Moya's crew isn't going to come downstairs and check on John in the next five hours. 5.3 arms. Yes. And... Grunchlick the Igor is like, well, I can hide you in this secret room. Although it's like, it's a whole medical, like, facility. I'm sure there's lots of places to hide him. Yeah, just don't be in any of the places where John is. Or any of the places near where John is. Right? I can't imagine it's that small, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the only thing on the planet. They have lots of room to sprawl out. Do people in Farscape not realize how big planets are? Well, that is definitely a sci-fi thing. I'm just thinking about that, like, pocket universe they got trapped in where they're like, oh, no, we're limited to this one galaxy. And I'm like, you could literally spend your whole life traveling on one of these planets and not see all the, the planet because that's how planets work. Well, remember on Litigaria when they were, like, searching every planet and they were, like, spending five minutes on each planet? And I was like, how are you searching every planet? Yeah, like... Or, or or in the um, Robinson Crusoe episode, where they're like... Jeremiah oh, Crichton? Jeremiah Crichton, where it's like, oh, look, we found John on this... It took us, what, five minutes of looking on this planet to find John? Yeah. This planet that has a planet-wide technology blocking thing, so we couldn't just lock in on his position. Also, it's filled with sebation, so everything would look like John from a like scanning perspective. Back in John's head, the Scorpius clone is like, hey, uh, you should kill yourself because it's the only way for me to get out of here. I'm just going to be stuck here and I'm not a fan of being stuck here. And John's like, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. And Scorpius is like, hey, to everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. And John tells him, hey, the devil can quote scripture. Because John thinks of his pop culture references as his own personal scripture. Also, they're on a mind dock. 
the inside of John's head is just a dock. Well, I, it's like a special place to John. It's like where he went fishing with his dad. Mm. And Scorpius breaks into poor Judd is dead and we cut right to uh, Rigel. <laughs> They're not paying for that whole song. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, the idea of, of, of brain chip Scorpius performing in Oklahoma is, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know how to go on from there. Anyway, Rigel's still on the planet because he was going to take off, remember? He had asked Grunchuk to get him a transport and he was going to leave behind Moya because Moya's been burned. Mm-hmm. You would burn Moya? That was in the previously on, by the way. Yeah. And so he comes across, you know, John with his brain pan open and... Uh, the dead doctor? Yeah. Well, it turns out it takes more than one burp in the face to kill this doctor. Although his face has gone very, like... Uh, very black, like necrotic. It's well done. Hmm. Also, how weird is it that Oklahoma has a whole song that's just the main character trying to convince the antagonist to kill himself? How weird is that? It is weird. Oklahoma is weirdly dark. It makes sense to me that they made that very adult revival of Oklahoma because it's like, it was ready for it. It was ripe for it. Hmm. So back on the ship... Rigel has contacted them and told them about, you know... The interrupted brain surgery. And Dargo's like, I'm gonna go down with Xan and see what we can do. You two stay up here and don't have sex. And they're like, you can't tell us what to do. They being Chiana and uh, Dargo's son, Joffy. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell me who to have sex with, Dad. God. Anyway, down on the planet... It's brain surgery time. Or, so I, it's funny because, you know, this is Farscape, uh, a Jim Henson production. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grolchek, the Igor, is played by an actor just in makeup, but he gets puppeted here. Like, Scorpius injects something into his spinal column, and then he puts on this, like, halo visor, and now he's able to control him. So he's ant manning him. Did that happen in Ant Man? I don't remember that. Well, you know, Hank Hank Pym had the uh, in the movie version of Ant Man anyway. Hank Pym had the little halo thing that he used to control ants because oh. they didn't they didn't want to give him the full helmet. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, uh, Scorpius is puppeting Girl Chick now. It's disturbing. <laughs> Remember in Heroes, they had the puppet guy? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Although the thing this made me think of more than anything was, mostly because it was so, it's so disturbing, mm-hmm. is Smile Time from Angel. Yeah. Although those were actual puppets that were puppeting a man. Ironically! <laughs> I think there was also a Criminal Minds with a guy who, like, captured people and then, like, broke all of their limbs and turned them into human puppets. And I'm like, I feel like, I'm like, I feel like Criminal Minds is kind of, I think you're just being gross at this point. Like, I feel like you ran out of actual ideas for serial killers a while ago, and now you're just being gross for no reason. It seems to me like they were seeing what Hannibal was doing, and they were like, oh, we can do that. But they didn't have the artistry of Brian Fuller. Mm. So it's just disturbing. I'm saying this having not seen the episode of Criminal Minds you're talking about, but it sounds not... Okay. I mean, I was never a huge Criminal Minds person, but that was when I was like, you know what? I think I'm just not going to ever watch this show. There's a not 
there, there, there's enough other stuff out there. It's true. So Dargo, Zan, and Stark run into the operating room where Rigel is doing CPR with the diagnostician. Mm, you'd think that would just kill him faster, right? Because <laughs> the whole germ thing, you need to wear the special... Uh... Oh! I wasn't even thinking about that! God! Yeah! No, that's bad! I mean, it worked, apparently, but... It kept him breathing. I was thinking about the fact that CPR was not something that the crew of Moya knew how to do. John had to teach Aaron how to do it so that she could revive him in that one episode, which means that at some point after that episode, John must have done, like, a Red Cross CPR training for everyone on Moya. He was like, hey. So do you think everyone on Moya knows staying alive? Uh, 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 staying alive. Staying alive. I often wonder how many people have been saved specifically because of that office episode mm. and then someone else knowing how to keep time to keep someone going. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a thing a while back about a kid who knew the uh, Heimlich because of the Simpsons who saved a classmate of his. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I just imagined that John was like, hey, I'm a frail human, and, like, lots and lots of stuff kills us, so let's just do some basic human first aid classes. And Rigel clearly learned something. Are Hynerian lips cleaner than- I just, I feel like that should have killed the doctor if the doctor was so sensitive a burp nearly took him out. I- who knows? Who knows? Anyway, they they revive the diagnostician and he's like, Scorpius! And everyone else is like, oh, fuck. Why is he always everywhere we are? He's like, Scorpius! That's good. Yeah, it's it's a very specific voice, which made me wonder if it was someone in the normal cast, but I guess probably not. Uh, no, I, I was going to bring this up later, but, um, it, it's not. It's, uh, just a guy who, like, must be, uh... Australian Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. Because he's also playing the Scarin in this episode. Uh, it just seemed like the kind of voice, like, in classic Shiro when they only had, like, four voice actresses, so, or voice actors, so all of the characters are, like... Let's go! Yes, let's go! Because it was just one lady who was trying to do all the voices. Well, it's like we were watching Futurama yesterday, and we were watching Bender's Game, the movie, Mm -hmm. and the one kid character was being voiced by Lauren Tom, and it sounded exactly like Amy. Yeah. It was like, hire someone else. And I love Lauren Tom. I also love Lauren Tom. But she is not Tress McNeil. No. She cannot just whip out ten different characters like Tress McNeil can. Tress McNeil can do three distinct old lady voices. Yeah. Like, Tress Mc... Uh, and, and, yeah, Lauren Tom is very talented, but she sounds like Lauren Tom. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason the only other character you have her reliably playing is, you know, Amy's mom. Yeah. I guess I appreciate the fact that you wanted to have a Chinese actor playing a Chinese character for the kid that she was playing, but, like, you could also just hire another Chinese actor. Yeah. Like, I I, I don't love the fact that her dad is played by Billy West. That Amy's dad is played by Billy West. That would 
not fly today. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, with, uh, Min and Connie. Uh-huh. On, on King of the Hill, Min and Connie are both voiced by Lauren Tom. Tom. <laughs> but Khan is voiced by, uh, uh, what's his name? Mike Judge? No, it's not Mike Judge. It's, uh, uh I forget his name. He's He's one of the other regulars on the show. Yeah. He's a white guy. Anyway, Farscape. Farscape. So, Scorpius is puppeting the Igor guy, and he's like, so, I'm going to... This really feels like the long way around for this. I'm going to have him trick the Farscape crew and distract them and try to get them to kill John. Yes. Instead of just... Even though I could have very easily done that after I thought I killed the doctor, but... <laughs> right? I uh. guess this is a thing I want now. I really like that, you know, Grunchuk being controlled by Scorpius turns to Bracca and is like, give me your pulse pistol. And Bracca like looks over at Scorpius and he's like, okay, this is definitely Scorpius, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very like, it's, it's a nonverbal moment and I just love it. And, you know, he gives him the pulse pistol and he shoots himself in the arm so that he can say that he struggled with Scorpius. Or rather, Scorpius inside of his brain can say that he struggled with Scorpius. Scorpius just loves getting into people's brains, doesn't he? Also, that seems like the worst way. I mean, I know they're not going to exactly do a forensic thing here, but like maybe they would be able to tell you shot yourself. Maybe you should have one of the many other people in the room under your command shoot him. Yeah. Yeah, it should have been like, Bracca, shoot me in the arm. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Dargo and Zan find him and he's like, Scorpius is gone. He left so long ago. Long gone. Gone forever. Feel free to take your time in these certain rooms. <laughs> you can do whatever you want as long as you're just in these rooms. So one of the rooms that they're in is the room with the donors. Okay, so was Stark not at the funeral? Because he seems surprised by this. Stark was at the funeral. I think that he wasn't close enough to the bodies to be able to, what he's sensing right now, which his his deal is that he ushers people into the afterlife. So he can feel that these people's souls are like trapped in between and it's super painful for them. Like a non-sexual version of what Dargo did for that old lady. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or I guess a less sexual maybe, because he did have brain sex with Xan using their powers well he just in general his power is non-sexual mm. but he gets very upset that these people are being stored here because you know it's super painful for them death is his gift death is his gift i think we said that before but yeah it's it is it is we also find out that john was adamant that nobody be used you know for him so if some if one of these guys was going to be killed for his operation he didn't want it and we find out that they did it anyway don't remember him saying that. Did he say that? You know, he didn't. But they say here that he said it. We can assume we can assume that that was just something we didn't see because. Okay, because I I remembered him them having the conversation about these are the people who you know are not dead, but you know they could never live on their own. Well, he didn't right. Well, and he didn't want the surgery specifically because he didn't want any of these people killed. Uh, this race, by the way, is the Interion. They are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they are close to human, but not human. Hmm. 
Because I remember they had that whole thing about him being like, wait, is there a human-like race? And they're like, not really. Like, it, it happens. There are lots of species across the universe that happen to have some pretty similar genetic code. Because, you know, if you're sentient and... Honestly, even if you're just sentient, it means a certain sequence of things had to happen that may lead to similar DNA. It's true. Uh, but he had said that he was, um, he, he had been opposed to these guys being killed for him to be used as donors, even though they are as good as dead because the very process of unfreezing them would kill them at this point. Hmm. So you're right. We didn't see the conversation where he said, you know, do the operation, but don't kill anyone on my behalf. But I think we can assume that that's what happened. We just cut from Aaron's funeral to him getting operated on. Mm. But they just totally ignored his wishes. But I guess there's no medical well, ethics in space. Yeah. Oh, no. Are you going to report him to the board of weird creatures that die when you burp on them? Oh. So Stark starts throwing a temper tantrum because he's like, these people are trapped between life and death. And Dargo goes over and he's like, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, shut up. This isn't the time for your dumb spiritual BS. We're here to fix John and then leave. So the diagnostician who is revived now is like, um, so I can fix John, but I definitely need to kill another one of these guys and use the brain tissue. And they're like, uh, I wish we could ask John what he wants, because apparently now what he wants matters. I mean, you know, yeah, it should have always mattered. It's like a trolley problem, except not because this person's going to die no matter what. Hmm, interesting. So, I'm just saying these people might not be as close to death as you think they are. Hmm. Hmm. So... Except for Aaron, of course, who is 100% dead forever. Exactly, exactly. So, Dargo's like, hey, Zan, do you think you could, like, mind sex with John and ask him what he wants? And Zan's like, um, last time I mind sexed with him, the... Chip took over and knocked me unconscious, so... No? Come on, Zan, you've taken... I, yeah, I... This is one of my least favorite telepath tropes. The, oh no, the evil of whatever is so strong. They have it with the Joker all the time whenever a telepath, you know, goes up against the Joker and they, like, fall on the floor because his mind is too dark and twisted. I'm like, ugh. Because that was the deal. Like, Zan's like, look, last time I tried to... Unity. Unity with John. Chip Scorpius drove me out with his pure evil evilness. And I'm like, you killed that evil space wizard guy who'd been enslaving a planet for umpteen centuries. Like, really? Really? Scorpius is more twisted and evil than that guy. Yeah, Zan definitely... Zan definitely should have been strong enough to take out Chip Scorpius. But... What Zan does do, she, she does the unity, and she finds out about the weird copy of the chip that's in John's head, and John wants them to kill him. John's like, nope, kill me. And I, the diagnostician explains that basically it's not the chip, it's like an echo of the chip. It's like a... Trauma. Yeah, it's trauma. It's trauma. And so Zan's like, okay, well, let me just take this... Lethal injection that you, Grolchek, definitely not somebody who's being controlled by Scorpius, just gave me and inject John with it. And everyone else is like, no, Zan, no! She's like, John wants me to! And they're like, okay, but we will come up with a plan B! I'm sorry, but John doesn't get a say in this. Yeah, I know, it's so funny. They were like, well, go into John's head and see what he wants. And she's like, he wants to die. And they're like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I guess it's good to know. <laughs> 
<laughs> before we just disregard it. Oh. So the doctor explains through Scorpius controlled Igor guy that uh there's like a brain echo that Chep was in there so long that John so trauma. It's a residual trauma taking the form of Scorpius. Yeah. Which one would think is the sort of thing a telepath would be able to help you with, but... Uh, A telepath is able to help him with that. It's just that it's Stark and not Xan. Which is weird, because I think of Xan as being a better telepath than Stark. Because it seems like telepathy is sort of like a side gig for Stark. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a byproduct of the whole, like, bring people into death thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Dargo's like, hey, you've got that death guiding power, and... This is like a D&D thing. Do you think you can kind of just guide the Scorpius bits of his brain to death? Like, uh, this is one of those things where you've got, like, my character's a pirate, so logically he'd have map abilities, right? <laughs> uh, I know I don't have that listed under my skills, but it would stand to reason, right? And cartography would be something I could get, like, a skill bonus on. <laughs> This is like how much I abused magic hand during our last, uh... Yeah. You're like, okay, well... Mage hand. You're like, well, five pounds is a lot of weight. Let's talk... Let's make a list of all of the things that are less than five pounds that can be lifted with mage hand. I mean, how much does fire weigh? Couldn't I just pick (laughs) up the fire and throw it out the window? Fire can't weigh that much, right? It's not ghosts. (laughs) So... They're trying to get the doctor to do the surgery. They went into John's head to see what he wanted. He was like, no, don't kill the donors. Kill me. And they're like, all right, well, let's get these donors up. Let's get these donors going. <laughs> and I do I do feel like, because you said it's the trolley problem, and it, it really is a trolley problem. But I like the way Stark kind of sidesteps the trolley problem here. Like, the, char- the fact that the character of Stark exists sidesteps the trolley problem, where he's like, yeah, they are in a lot of pain in the state they're in, so it's a mercy to kill them, so he does. He just straight up kills one of them and is like, there, use that guy as a donor. And Dargo's like, okay, so thank you, but also please don't do that again. <laughs> Which, I, I like Dargo in this episode. I, he, I, he was on a string of just awful, terrible decisions last season, but... Yeah, well, he's, he says to Stark, don't make me tongue you. But he says it kind of like... Playfully. Playfully. Also, I... Also, I feel like Dargo has done, like, a real 180 in this episode because he's very committed to, we lost Aaron, we're not going to lose someone else, we're not going to lose John. And he was being such a dick to John for, like, the last three episodes. Well, yeah, he's all, you don't want me to save my son, you you hate my son because you want to come up with a plan that will actually work instead of just charging in there. But they're space bros again, and honestly, I like Dargo the best when he and John are space bros. Hmm. Doing space bro stuff. So, Scorpius-controlled Igor is like, Hey, Zan, why don't you get off this planet and go somewhere else? Don't you think it would be good to not be on this planet and to go somewhere else? Doesn't that seem like a fun thing to do right now? Yeah, she's like, no, no, I just need to sit and meditate. And then Crace calls, and Scorpius-controlled grill chick is like, Hey, Crace, you and your giant gunship should definitely take off and go looking for Scorpius now. And he's like, No, I can't leave without Aaron's body. And grill chick, being controlled by Scorpius, is like, God damn, this entire crew. No, but he's like, Oh, that's a freebie. Hey, Zan, why don't you bring Aaron's body up 
to but, up to Talon, and then you guys can go throw it into space as peacekeepers do somewhere really far away from here. But Zan's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm just not emotionally ready to do that right now. God. <laughs> it's it's practically a farce. It is practically a farce. I feel like the music from the Clue movie should be playing right now. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, I do like that Scorpius kind of gives up, and it's just like, hey... Hey, Zan, I'm really not comfortable with that gunship in orbit. It would be a huge favor to me if you would convince them to not be in orbit around this planet anymore, since, you know, this is a gunship that can very easily blow up planets. And Zan's like, let me think about that. And he's like, Ugh. So, uh, back on Moya, someone's in the kitchen with Jothi. No. Bad. Uh, okay, so there, you remember that scene in, God, I think it was Infinity War, one of the Avengers movies, it might have been Civil War, I think it was Civil War, which I guess is technically a Captain America movie, but yeah, where, uh, the Vision and, uh, Wanda are cooking in a kitchen together, and, like, Wanda thinks that they're just kind of hanging out being a couple or whatever, and then she realizes that she's actually being held hostage. Uh-huh. And Vision's just tr- kind of trying to dress it up like they're having a romantic weekend uh, yeah. alone and not that she's being held in custody by him. Mm-hmm. That's her, not exactly the vibes I get from this, but, like, they're doing sexy cooking together, and then it kind of becomes an aggressive hostage situation, but sexy? No, 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 no. It's more like... They're they're doing sexy cooking together, and then Chiana's like, no, and they do, like, sexy fighting, and then sexy fighting just turns into sex. It's like the, uh, it's like in Cheers, the, uh... The episode where, uh, he breaks into her apartment to make her kiss him. No, that's horrifying. Honestly, there's a lot of cheers with the Sam and Diane stuff that's horrifying. Like that play where that guy tries to strangle Diane in front of the entire cheers crew and it takes them way too long to realize that he's trying to murder her. That is really distressing. Yes. Andy, Andy. Um. Wait, does he come back to the bar after that? Because... I... Yeah. No, I think that might be his last appearance, but it's not his first appearance, which is already upsetting enough. No, no, I meant uh, the classic, the I hate you with the white hot fire of a billion suns. Are you as turned on as I am right now? And then they kiss. Yeah. Slap, slap, kiss. Uh, Yeah, no. The scene you're talking about where he breaks into her apartment contains the disturbing line, when Sam Malone takes his pants off, they don't go back on until he's done. I don't like that they ambiguously got back together at the end. Oh, no, they absolutely do not. Oh, he ends up with the new one? No, he ends up alone. Oh, good. Yeah, no, they went, no, he 100% is not with Diane at the end of Cheers. I thought they brought her back for, like, two episodes at the end, like they did with uh, Topher Grace at that 70s show, so you can be like, oh, look, Eric and Donna did end up back together. She comes back in the finale so that she can dump him in a recreation of the scene where she dumped him at the end of her last episode. Like, they just redo that because it was it was really an amazing scene. Like, it's it's a great final scene. When we do Welcome to the End, we should do an episode about that episode of Cheers, even though it's not really the finale. Mm. Anyway, back on the planet, John is all better. Or, I mean, you know, he will be soon. Yeah, they reconnected his speech cords, and he's like, 
so I still really want you to kill me. Don't want to be alive. Also, especially because he caused Aaron's death. I mean, like, Eh. yes, but he's not going to be able to live with himself, like, even though technically he knows that it wasn't him. And Dargo's like, hey, hey, isn't it a bigger insult to Aaron, the woman you killed, to not live, even though she died to make sure that you would live? She died until she was dead from it so that you would live? Because because of her death, you're alive. Do you just want to throw away that gift? The gift of life that you got from Aaron? Aaron who's dead? Yes. Anyway, Stark is all like, hey, listen, the Scorpius that's in your head is just your trauma. So go in there and kick his ass. Yeah. He's like, did you see season the season five pre-finale of Buffy where Willow goes into Buffy's mind to force her to confront her own trauma so that she can go save Dawn. And John's like, uh, no, it's like two th- it, it's like 1994 that won't come out for several years. Uh, this episode's actually 2001, so this is only beating that uh, episode by a year. Mm. Yeah. Also, later, this would be recycled into the very, very good, not exactly recycled, but the uh, very, very good Star Trek Lower Decks episode with the, uh, with the holodeck uh, movie. That oh, Mariner does. Yeah, yeah. Because it turns out all you need to do to resolve issues is to create a scenario where you get to murder your friends, family, or enemies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the scene though where John beats up Scorpius and then throws him into a dumpster, which is what happens, is God. It's it's one of the iconic scenes, and it just now occurred to me that. I don't know why John throwing Scorpius into the dumpster isn't a gift that gets used on Adipose, like, all the time. Seriously, you'd think it would be. Can someone who makes gifts do that, please? And send me a link? Therapy! You just go into your brain and throw the physical manifestation of your trauma into a dumpster. It's that easy. Okay, so since you bring it up, I feel like this is a really great metaphor. It works really well. Specifically because... John does. He goes in and he beats up Scorpius and he throws him in the dumpster, but it's not over. He's still there. John still has a lot to process. The fact that he's gotten to a point where he can, you know, function doesn't mean that he's done. On, on another weaker show on Star Trek, this would be done and we would never see Brain Scorpius again. Is he going to pop out like uh, that Power Rangers villain lady, you know? No, no, it's more like John has more control over him, but he's still there. He's not going to pop out of a dumpster and be like, after 10,000 years, I'm finally free to conquer Earth. No, no, it's not going to be like that. I kind of want to see the new uh, new Power Rangers movie that came out like five years ago just to see him. Um, what's her face? Kim from Scrubs. Uh, Elizabeth Banks? Yeah, Elizabeth Banks pop out of a dumpster and do that line. I... I kind of would like to see that that Power Rangers movie. We should watch that. I don't think she actually did pop out of a dumpster to say that. I, no, I, I know, but it still... I What I do know about it, though, is that uh, Krispy Kreme paid for a lot of it. So the climax of the movie takes place at a Krispy Kreme. And there's a scene where uh, Elizabeth Banks' villain character very slowly eats a donut while staring into the camera. Man, I want a Krispy Kreme now. So you're saying that money was well spent, Power Rangers movie? <laughs> I guess so. Honestly, okay, so you know the 
I've always thought Krispy Kreme had the most brilliant people in marketing ever, specifically because of the hot donuts now sign. Like, if you drive past a Krispy Kreme and you see that hot donuts now sign, you're stopping. You're getting a donut. Like, that's just all there is to it. Like, genius. Okay, and when I was in Tus- when I lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, mm-hmm. there was a White Castle next to the Krispy Kreme. No, I've never actually eaten a White Castle. Sam? No, I think I actually ate there as a kid once. Never mind, go on. But they had the, like, Hot Donuts Now sign at the Krispy Kreme, and somebody at White Castle was like, oh, let's get our own sign. So they got a sign that said Hot Now as well that they would turn on. But, see, it works with Krispy Kreme because you are willing to eat donuts a couple hours after they've been cooked. The Hot Now sign in front of the White Castle just reminds you that the food sits under a heat lamp for enough time that it's worth having a sign to tell you that the food is fresh. Yeah, it, it did the opposite. Yeah. We're getting a lot off track this episode. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. So the diagnostician leaves to uh, go to the bathroom, which is funny because, of course, of course he does. That's a totally rational reason to leave the room. It, it makes total sense. But hardly anyone ever actually uses that as a plot device to get them out of the room. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of fiction's weird thing with bathrooms where, you know. Yeah, you're not allowed to see them because. Unless it's Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 where all important character development happens in bathrooms. Yes. In, in, in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, bathrooms are sexy. Anyway. the di- I thought we were reading into that show's thing with bathrooms too much until we were rewatching it. And there's that montage of bathrooms with Chloe. They did a whole episode about bathrooms being sexy. Not necessarily being sexy, but being the grounds for character development, because every major character development thing happens in a bathroom over the course of the show. Right, right, right. And the bathrooms being sexy is just sort of, that episode is sort of just acknowledging this show's weird thing with bathrooms being a sort of liminal space where one is allowed to grow. Yes. Because I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I want to go off on, like, my TED talk about bathrooms and don't just the in Department 23, but I, I'm not going to. Well, it's because that's a place where you're allowed to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is the root of growth. Right. It's the only place where Chloe herself is allowed to be vulnerable. That's Hence that line when she's talking about all of the brilliant things June has told her, including if I close the door to the bathroom, it's like this little sanctuary that I have. And also, like, the flip side of that is the constant references to masturbating in the bathtub, the strumming, strumming the lady harp, as it were. Mm. Uh is because June's development is kind of needing to open herself up more to, you know, that part of her. So it works for both of the characters' growth. Yes. So the diagnostician, though, I think is just needing to evacuate waste. Yes, as he says. And he leaves, and one of the pods starts to open. And Girl Chick is like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't uh, go. I'll go check on it. You do not go in there, Doc. Do not go look at the beeping pod. And the diagnostician is like, okay, but I'm going to go look at the beeping pod because this is my facility. And yeah, and you're, you're my assistant. And you're acting super suspicious right now. And the pod opens and a Scarin comes out. And he comes out heat blaster first. He does. Now, I mentioned before that the guy in the suit, the guy in the doctor suit is the same guy in the Scarin suit. And, like, they had to shoot this twice because now the Scarin comes out and kills the doctor. Scarin is 
wearing kind of an S and M outfit. It's a little a little Goblin Queeny. So, uh, Goblin Queen specifically, Madeline Pryor from yeah. X Men. Yeah. yeah. Wait, are there other Goblin Queens? I mean, I guess statistically, probably, but. Um, my mind immediately went to a distaff version of David Bowie in uh, Labyrinth, so. No, this is just, uh, it's a character whose outfit looks like it has the uh, Goblin Queen underboob thing going on, except he's got multiple chest muscles, so it's like stripes of the. Yeah, and it like exposes the torso, and yeah. Excuse me, the underboob. It does get to the torso eventually, but there are, like, four underboobs it needs to show before it reaches there. Uh, so, back in the room where Scorpius is hiding out, Scorpius is like, Hey, um, why did a pod with a scarron in it just open up? And Girl Chick is like, uh, I don't want to tell you. And then we get this totally gory, creepy scene. Yeah, Scorpius makes him bite off one of his own fingers, and he's like, Well, you've still got a few fingers left. Are you willing to tell me, or are we going to go down the finger line? Oh, it's so creepy. It's pretty gross. But there's... <sighs> According to the DVD commentary, they filmed this twice because the first time it was way too gory. I mean, I'm honestly... I wonder if it's a Batman the Animated Series thing where they made a version that was deliberately for the censors to shoot down so that they could get what they actually wanted. Oh. Because they, they did that all the time where they do, they, they'd create a thing where they're like, okay, this is... Uh, uh, like in that episode where uh, Batgirl dies, and mm-hmm. you know, eventually it turns out to be a, uh, a fear-induced hallucination. But there's a bit where she, uh, you know, she gets kicked off a roof and she ends up falling onto uh, her dad's car. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently that was the subject of a lot of renegotiation. Oh yeah, I bet. And uh, they ended up getting what they wanted, which uh, was. You see it from inside of the car. Ooh, yeah. Because they're like, well, it's further away from the impact, but it's also a way more visceral shot. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah. Honestly, I'd love to see uh, the transcripts of, like, FCC negotiations for this sort of thing. Because that stuff is always fascinating, and it's really weird what they would and would not let you do. Like, you know the reason they all use Tommy guns is because uh, it made it a non-repeatable act. Because kids could find regular guns in their uh, parents' houses, but you're not going to find a Tommy gun there. Oh, interesting. And that kind of informed a lot of the Art Deco, because most superhero cartoons at the time used futuristic laser guns. And they're like, we don't want to do that. This is this is Batman. So they ended up leaning into a stylistic thing to get around it. Oh, well, and it worked. It really worked with the show. Yeah. This is kind of tangential, but have you seen the documentary, This Film Is Not Yet Rated? No, I oh, wanted to. Oh, we should to. watch that. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to watch that later. So, Grolchuk is like, yeah, the Scarin, uh, he paid me to hide him here in stasis until you showed up to have your little head thing serviced. And... We just froze him and we figured, uh, you know, I could use him as insurance against you if you ever came and, I don't know, injected something into my brain. So I had a set timer thing and assuming you didn't try to stab anything into my brain, I was just gonna, you know, reset it so that he wouldn't come out after a certain period of time. But you shoved something into my brain. So now he's out. Yeah, this is actually really smart. Uh, I mean, it, it... Doesn't do him any good, but it's nice that he had a plan. Mm. Contingency for Scorpius being a, 
an asshole. Revenge! <laughs> exactly. So, back on the ship, Jothi and Chiana have finished having sex with one another. And Rigel comes in and he's like, what happened in here? And Chiana's like, oh, uh, we blew up a cooking pot. But here's food! Food! And Rigel's like, okay, I don't know what happened, but I'm just gonna eat this food. I don't care. As, as long as I don't food. care what happened between you two. Rigel it, seems a lot lower key than he has been in the past. Hmm, I, yeah, he is kind of. Uh, maybe he's he's all distraught because he paid a huge amount of money to Grilchik to get a ship off the planet, and now because of everything that's gone down... He has lost that money. Yeah, that money is gone! So... Back in the uh, Scorp room, Scorpius, having got the information about what's the deal with the Skirin, puts back the puppet crown and starts repuppeting what's his bucket. Yeah, he's going to send Grilchik to go fight the Skirin, which... Just not a good idea. Well, I mean, not for for Grilchik. But, uh, yeah. So, Crichton... What's that going to buy him, like, three seconds? I know, right? So, the Skarin immediately runs into Grillchick and is like, Hey, buddy. So, I get the impression that you froze me. And, uh... Feels kind of like you betrayed me, dude. Well, because he's like, where's Scorpius? You were supposed to unfreeze me when Scorpius is here, and Scorpius is not here. And Grillchick, being controlled by Scorpius, is like, Yeah, no, Scorpius isn't here? But John Crichton is here. Don't you want to kill John Crichton? If Scorpius was going to be so hard to kill John Crichton early, he should have just killed him when he was in the operating room. It's the perfect time to kill someone. You don't be like, oh, I'm just going to assume that you die if I leave. Like, I mean, I know. Realistically, (laughs) that's what would happen if you killed someone surgeon mid-surgery and then just left. But... Why leave it up to chance? Yeah, just like... He could have eaten it. He could have eaten the whole brain. Yeah, like, just smoosh it up a little bit and then leave. Yeah. So, the Skarin does the, like, heat mind reading thing to see if Grilchik is lying, and he doesn't get a good read because Scorpius is controlling his brain. So, the Skarin just shoves him into a freezer tube and is like, all right, time to go kill John Crichton, I guess. <laughs> Scorpius is like, wow, that worked out way better than it should have. Okay, everyone, we're gonna, you know, we're going to take our leave. (laughs) Well, so Scorpius is talking to square jaw officer guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we really need to get this wormhole technology back to the command carrier. And square jaw guy is like, I'm the best pilot in the fleet. My skills are rated at 991. And I can definitely get us to, uh, I can definitely outrun that gunship and get you safely to the command carrier. Or my name's not Square Jaw McCommander. Yes. He's the highest ranking active pilot. And uh, Scorpius is like, yeah. And so was Aaron. And look how that worked out for her. I mean, I mean, you'll need every, uh, he, he has kind of a vaguely inspirational, you know, oh, you'll need every ounce of that skill if you're going to outfly Talon, the super ship. The guy's like, I've seen, I've seen the movie Stealth. I know how this is going to go down. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the movie Stealth? No, but it makes sense to me that it goes down the same way that uh, things end up going down here. So Stealth, 
was do you, do I re- no I mean I remember sorry I remember the movie stuff but I didn't actually watch it it's about a uh sentient what's it called airplane stealth plane yeah stealth plane that uh gets hit by lightning and the lightning gives it evil puberty and it starts killing and they uh and some regular human pilots have to stop it but then they have to team up after one of the human pilots gets stranded sure and I'm like why would the why would the evil plane care about that? Wasn't it trying to kill them? But then it helps them out, and then they're friends at the end. So, um, wow. Okay, I'm gonna go from from that to a, a much much better piece of fiction, which is Wizards of Earthsea. Also, the plane was voiced by that guy from Prison Break, who plays Captain Cold in the DC TV shows now. Who was uh, he? Was one of the fish guy swimmers in Buffy. So, Wizard of Earthsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I feel like this next scene that's coming up is really taken from Wizard of Earthsea, where Ged travels to the afterlife to save his friend's kid. Mm. Um, he, he very dangerously, like, travels to the place between life and death to catch the soul and, like, drag it back to the body, mm. which is what's about to happen here. Or like that one John Constantine story where he tries to uh, get that kid out of hell, and then he only comes back with her arm. Oof, God. Well, I mean, this is all, since you since you mentioned John Constantine, that makes me realize this is all just Orpheus, right? Yeah. So, Zan realizes that the body, the body in the tube, Aaron's body, is not actually completely dead! You knew that. That was the deal. <laughs> well, so... Well, no, 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 they they actually, we, we assumed when they put her in the pod that they had told them that they were going to keep her as a donor, but no, they were going to take the body back. They did not know that, uh, you know, the diagnostician planned to keep her as a donor. Hmm. So Zan's like, well, use your, use your star thingy to bring her back here instead. And Stark's like, yeah, no, it's too dangerous. She's way, way far. She's, she's definitely already almost passed over. And Aaron- If only Leo were here. <laughs> It is going to be like that scene. Anyway, Zan knocks Stark unconscious. She's going to she's going to use a star without his help. She's going to non-consensually use his power to bulk up her own power so that she can drag Aaron's soul kicking and screaming back into the before life. Well, it's it's actually different. Um she earlier she used his power to bulk up her power but here she's like combining their powers to do a different thing this is like a fastball special Mm. so dargo and john are you know getting up getting ready getting ready to leave and dargo is like where is stark what is taking him so long and when he opens the door oops there's a scarab behind it so dargo like hits him slams the door and is like out the back door we gotta go out the back door and John opens the back door and it's a freezer and Dargo's like, oh, I don't want to get cold. And John's like, okay, either you get a little cold now or you get a lot melted by that guy. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not, it's not a freezer. It's, it's the actual outside, which mm. is frozen. Mm. And I guess that probably makes it cheaper to run yeah. this facility. Yeah. Also, we learned that... Dargo didn't bring any weapons with him, which is a weirdly un-Dargo thing. Except his Qualtha blade, which he was bearing with Aaron. Yes. And I bring that up for reasons. Mm. Also, I 
at the time, I was like, it's so out of character for Dargo to bury the Qualta Blade with Aaron. Like, Dargo wouldn't do that. But I am going to let it slide because the resolution of that particular plot is awesome. Okay. In would my his, opinion. Would his tongue not work on Scarens? They've got, like, plating. Mm. Like, their, their hide is very tough. So I don't know if his tonguing would work or not. How accurate is it? Because the eyes, right? That'd be the... You want him to tongue the Scarens' eyes? Do you he... think he is? Scorpius? God. Ugh. So, John convinces him to go out in the wilderness to not be melted by the Scarin, and they run off. Yeah, he's like, what's well, your choice, buddy? Freeze or fry? And Doug is like, oh, freeze, I guess. Oh. And Scorpius sees that now that Dargo and John are being chased by the Skyrim, now is the time for the the ship to hurry up and hopefully not get seen by Krace. Mm. And, and make its way back to the command carrier. Also, I really feel like this is the kind of Dargo I love. Dargo's like, okay, good, it's cold. And John is like, it sounds like you have a plan. And Dargo's like, yeah, my plan is to get the Skyrim out here and... Let him freeze, because, you know, they're basically lizards. He's going to hate the cold a lot more than we hate the cold, so we're going to lure him out here. And John's like, well, what if we freeze to death? And Dargo's like, one plan at a time, John, okay? Yeah, I would think that the Skarin would be better equipped to handle cold, right? Like, he's got the eternal combustion thing going on. Oh, well, I mean, lizards don't... Lizards are cold-blooded, which means they don't do well in the cold. Doesn't it make them extra focused? Like, the heat makes them fall asleep, and the cold makes them, like... (laughs) robots really focused on stuff well i think if you put a lizard in the cold they just go into like hibernation mode right some some biologists let me know so lizards are like either either end of the temperature scale they're just out yes how does anyone have any trouble with the scare well not obviously the scares have different stuff going on but well, they're telepathic. They breathe They breathe a heat ray that makes you tell the truth. They have skin that can't be pierced by conventional weapons, and also they're giant lizard men. How does anyone have trouble with the peacekeepers, actually? Just turn up the heat and they die. Yeah, right? Well, the peacekeepers smartly got put in charge of every planet, which means they're in charge of the thermostat. Mm. That's That's the peacekeepers, like, solution. I'm not saying they're as bad as the aliens who are weak to water and they invaded a planet that was 70% water, but the aliens from Signs. No, I know. I know. They went up. Does anyone remember Signs? I remember how much I hated it. Their weakness is water and getting hit with baseball bats. Swing away. Oh my god, I hated that movie. Ugh. I I loved all the memes about the beach that makes you old from the movie Old, but it feels like that moment, like, hit and passed in a couple of days, because there were so many jokes about it, and then they all faded away almost immediately. Well, the problem is, everybody made their best joke, and nobody wanted to go see the movie to come up with new ones. Hmm. I mean, it's not really a problem. I think it was great. (laughs) So, Zan takes off unconscious Stark's half-helmet, so that she can use his star to walk into the afterworld and find Aaron, who is still strapped to the chair. She's still trapped in the harness, which I I know it was annoying me how you were talking about how silly it was when it's a moment that really hits me, like, very emotionally, 
But Aaron floating in heaven inso- inside of her chair, unable to let go of the harness, does look kind of silly. I do have to admit. I'm sorry. I know that was a, a moment that rang very true to you. But... I mean, annoyed is too strong a word, but yeah. So Zan's like, hey, Aaron, if you have lesbian brain sex with me, then I can bring you back from the dead. And Aaron's like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure that all Delvians are bisexual, so they just call it sex. Yes. So yeah, they do unity. And Zan's like, okay, so I'm going to give you some of my spiritual energy so that you come back to life. And Aaron's like, okay, but we're sharing brains right now, which means I know that this is going to kill you. So no. And Zan's like, no, you need to come back because I love you and I love Crichton and Crichton can't survive without you, essentially. So, yep, this is, this is my gift. Death Death is my my gift. gift. Also, I don't want to do this makeup anymore. Yeah, that too. Which, I mean, more than fair, right? Yeah. So, Zan comes out of it and finds that while she was in her, like, afterlife unity state... Uh, the peacekeepers came in and grabbed a hold of her and Stark, and they're like, keep the Bannock, because that's a super cool power, and kill the Delvian. And then Aaron comes out with the Quotha Blade that was Shooting. conveniently buried with her. Yes. And shoots the peacekeepers. And Thank I'm you like, for burying me with a gun. Right? Thank you for burying me with a loaded gun. Oh, so yeah, Aaron, Aaron saves the day. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the music playing is the major key version of the funeral music for her. Also, like her hair looks great. It does. And Scorpius is like, you're supposed to be dead. And she's like, I am, but I'm still pretty. For the 10,000th Buffy reference. Ah, yeah. Remember season one? The yes, master? yes. So yeah, every everyone dies. I mean, all of the uh, bad all of, guys die. All of the unnamed peacekeepers are dead, and Scorpius is like, "All right, all of my hench people who are unnamed are dead." Officer Squarejaw, it's time to go. It's and, time for you to rock and or roll. Oh, so yeah, the Scarin has come out into the cold to try to attack. John and Dargo, and he's trying to do his heat thing, and he can't do his heat thing in the cold, so there, there's there's Sucks your answer, I guess. Yeah. Sucks for him. And John and Dargo are like, okay, so now that he's distracted, we're gonna run in this back door, and that back door is jammed! And John is like, are you kidding me right now? Are you freaking kidding me? And Dargo tries to stab the guy, but his blade just kind of crumples against his skin. Right, their skin is super tough. Which, uh, okay. I was like, he has to be having more difficulty with the cold because he's wearing S&M gear and they're wearing these big coats, but I guess not. Well, I mean, his skin's still tough. He, he, his strength is still there. He can't just can't do any of his fire tricks. No, I know, but I mean, like, I thought the cold would be more of an impediment to him mm. outside of just limiting him to his super strength and not his fire powers <laughs> man the scarens are so overpowered <laughs> so speaking of overpowered back on talon crace sees the ship leaving the planet and is like oh scorpius is trying to escape we'll just see about that and he gets like this zoom in hero shot oh i was gonna say villain shot kind of little sinister flickering lights hmm 
Interesting, because you're right, it does kind of look sinister, but we're supposed to be cheering that he's going to kill Scorpius and avenge Aaron. Hmm. Hmm. So, meanwhile, Dargo and John are still having trouble opening a door. And then, all of a sudden, Dargo hears the sound of his Qualtha blade, and he's like, wait, who has my Qualtha blade? And I guess the Qualtha blade can cut through, uh, the, 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 the lasers that it fires can cut through Skaren's skin, because... It does, it cuts through Scarin's skin, and then John, like some sort of hero out of urban legend, stabs through the hole created by the Qualtha Blade with an icicle and kills the Scarin with an icicle. It's the best way to kill someone, the evidence melts away. Yeah. So John's like, oh my god, it's a hallucination, Aaron's dead, you're just brain scorpius trying to trick me, and Aaron's like, hey, shut up. No, Zan gave me brain energy that brought me back to life. Shut up. No. And I, John's like, oh my god, you're back. Two things about the scene I love. The way she instantly just hands the sword back to Dargo. She's like, here's your... Here's your dumb sword. <laughs> I know I used it to kill a bunch of people, but it's still stupid. And also she says to John, Zan... sword. <laughs> also she says to John, Zan did some unity thing. Because it's like, unity, it... It does whatever. It does whatever you need it to do. You need it to kill a guy. You need it to, like, mentally take over a weird trickster god. You need it to, like, whatever you need it to do. It's like duct tape or the Phoenix Force. It is seriously like the Phoenix Force. It just, you use it to smooth away any plot holes. Oh, the Phoenix did it. It's fine. Whenever something didn't make sense, a wizard did it. Yes. So yeah, John is John is has an emotional moment with uh with Aaron when he realizes that she is in fact back. And Crace is having an emotional moment, but the emotion is revenge, as he chases down Scorpius's Marauder. Mm-hmm. Piloted by the best pilot ever, Square Jaw McThick Face. Mm, yes, Square Jaw McThick Face. And uh they come the, the Marauder makes its way almost to the command carrier, and it's like, shoot, if we shoot him now, the command carrier might see us and take us out. And he's like, well, what do you think, Talon? You want to kill him? And Talon just aims his gun and is like, let's do it! So, thick jaw, handsome dude gets the shit blown out of him. And uh, Talon and Grace high-five and they're like, revenge complete, let's get out of here. Yeah, exactly. They, they call pilot and they're like, well... We blew up the ship. Scorpius is dead. You don't need to worry about that. We avenged Aaron, and now we're going to take off. We're going to get the command carrier to chase us so that you're safe. Bye. Our work here is done. Big heroes. We're the protagonists now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, Zan is all drained of spiritual energy, and Stark is trying to comfort her, and she's like, don't worry. Don't worry, Zan. Uh, Scorpius is dead now, and she's like, what about Grillcheck? And... Stark is like, he's dead enough. Yeah, he says he's effectively dead, which is what Grillcheck had said about people who were stuck into the tubes, which is where Grillcheck is. And I love that Stark is so, like... I, I feel like they were trying to do this with Xan, but they effectively did it with Stark, where he strikes the perfect balance between being a caring priest type figure who has 
so much empathy for other living creatures and also will kick your ass if you deserve it mm. and will like just straight up lock you into a torturous prison if he thinks that that's what you deserve i feel like they got that mix perfect with stark yeah with xan i'm more like why are you pretending to be all high and mighty when you're actually like ready to kill people or like why are you it was just a little off with xan with stark it's just chef's kiss anyway john wants to take the uh the aliens that are almost human but not quite back to the ship to see if he can save them and aaron's like the doctor said they can't be saved and john's like xan saved you maybe she can save them and aaron's like oh no it's okay we'll plant her and she'll grow back when spring comes like Groot. Elsewhere on the planet, Scorpius is still there because, oh, that ship was a decoy. And also, Officer Squarejaw overestimated his piloting skills. Wah, wah. I do just love the way that guy was such a satire of sci-fi action heroes. Top of the Academy, best pilot, you know, did the Kessel run in under 12 parsecs. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. we learn that Scorpius has to get back to the command carrier because a second gamic base has been built. Like the second Death Star. Yeah, so he's going to go to his second gamic base and extract all of this wormhole technology. Hey, maybe build it somewhere where it won't explode if someone sneezes the wrong way. (laughs) So back on Moya, everyone's kind of decompressing decompressing and dargo's like wow i was so cold i can't smell anything now so how did you two do while i was gone yeah Yeah. and john is checking out the the bodies and he's like huh maybe someday we'll figure out a way to save them and aaron's like oh do you want to be alone and he's like no i want to be here with you because i love you And she's like, I love you. And then they start eating each other's faces, like, a lot. Mm. Like, we make that joke in other shows where it's like, wow, they are eating each other's faces. But they are, like, consuming. Yes. And then Aaron's like, no, wait, I can't. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be doing it like that. But she's like, yeah, no, no, no. Um, Love makes you weak. Yeah, well, I mean, more specifically, love makes you distracted. And she's like, no one else is going to die because of... Me. Me. And John's like, wait, what do you mean no one else? And she tells him, like, yeah, uh, Zan is gonna die now. She she gave me all of her spiritual energy to bring me back to life, and now she's, uh, now she's gonna die. Remember what happened to Queen Amidala? She died giving birth even though they live in space? She died. She died because she was too sad, remember? <sighs> That's why the reticle droids couldn't save her. Because she died of being too sad. Anyway, John goes to see Zan and is like, are you really dying? And she's like, yes, John, I'm dying. Credits! Yeah, it's a really weird line read to be the last line of the episode. It does really feel like there's more to come after that, but there's not. That's it. That's the end. Yes! (laughs) Yeah. Although, so we were trying to keep track of all of the times that John caused Zan's death because of the three times that he broke her mask in that one episode. Mm. And here we go. The third and final time that he caused her death. Mm. Although, as in all of the times, it's kind of several layers removed. Well, sure. I mean, he was never the cause of her death. 
but uh, yeah. Yeah, season three intro. It's pretty solid. We're, uh, yeah. Don't feel like it was, like, actively undoing anything, I guess, except Aaron's death, but, eh. Well, Suzanne's gonna die now. And and unlike Aaron, Virginia Hayes is not coming back. So, the next episode we have is Sons and Lovers, but Sons is S-U-N-S. Mm. Yeah. And the description from Amazon Prime is, The crew from Moya visit a commerce station to gather supplies, which is about to be destroyed by fierce gamma storms. I feel like Amazon Prime put that clause in the wrong place. Because that implies that the supplies are about to be destroyed, but it's the planet that's about to be destroyed. Uh, so Zan doesn't get a big long funeral then? Uh, Zan's still alive. Uh, Zan actually gets a... Zan gets a super long death. Like, she gets to, uh... She gets to really... I don't want to say milk it because she is dying. She did give up her life, but she gets to really milk it. She gets a swan song. Yes, that's a much nicer way to say what I was trying to say. (laughs) All right, so segments. Okay, so our first segment is Strange Alien Creatures, which is what alien design worked for you this episode? I kind of like the, like, recover. I mean, this is just building off my last one where I like the doctor, but I like how the doctor, like, looked infected. The whole, like, marks on its face after, uh... What's this bucket? Scorpius burped on him. Like how it, it looked like he was fighting off an infection in that area. That, that was, was mine too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really liked the way that they... I feel like a lesser show would have just let him keep going with the same makeup. But not only did they change his makeup so that you could see, like I said, the the kind of disease overtaking him, but they also changed his mask because he was wearing like a temporary medical mask instead of his like super cool like whole face thing yeah yeah no, that, that was mine too yeah our second segment is a distant part of the universe which is what world building worked for you in this episode if anything nothing really i mean we're we're still basically in the same place we were last episode i mean this isn't really world building but i do love the show taking a shot at Star other Trek. sci-fi yeah it's like or Andromeda, if you want to be, uh... Yeah, yes, that, that was definitely a Kevin Sorbo type that got blasted out of the sky. I just, I really like that the show feels secure enough now in what it is that it can kind of take little pot shots at other versions of, uh, other sci-fi shows that are something else. Hmm. The show has always kind of undercut sci-fi tropes, and that is, of course, what I have, what I love about it. But I like that now it's kind of becoming a little bit aware of them and is like, Haha, we're so much better than, we're so much better than these other shows. In Star Trek, John would just move on. In Star Trek, John would have been imprisoned for like a hundred years and tortured. And then the next episode, he'd be like, nah, I'm fine. No need to, no need to, to deal with anything. This that happens miles, to- Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And our final segment is the wonders that i have seen which is what emotionally resonated with you this episode okay aaron's big hero moment where she comes back from the dead and shoots everyone yes i mean i know that would be levitation in our charm thing because it was like the big you know moment yeah the big hero moment but yeah i I really like that i i loved that moment as well but i'm actually so i'm gonna choose a different one which is even though it comes to nothing when crace is like 
Yeah, no, we're gonna- I'm gonna risk my life for Aaron soon. And he's like, Talon, you okay with us risking our lives to avenge Aaron? And Talon is like, oh yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. Big gun thumbs up. Yes. Also, uh, there was a great line that we didn't mention when it happened that I just wanted to bring up, which is after John spikes Scorpius into the dumpster and he kind of comes out of it and he looks at Stark and he's like, Stark, how did you know that would work? And Stark's like, I didn't. I just thought it was a good, like, speech. Yeah. I'm re- I, this time through watching it, I'm realizing how much I love Stark. I never I never realized how much I love that character. He basically shot up to being my favorite character after, like, two episodes. Which would make sense, since in our, like, RPG understanding of it, he is played by the same... And it, I, I feel like he's played by the same person who's playing Zan. Yeah. One of our, one of our uh, commenters on the Facebook page mentioned that... Uh, that char- that pl- that player actually appears to play several characters in succession mm-hmm. and it's almost as though you can see in the background that player becoming increasingly frustrated with the rest of the party <laughs> so that's something you have to look forward to mm. i kind of want to do a, a a thing like uh like droids wait what is it called uh um droids and something darths and droids mm. Darth and Droids, which takes the Star Wars movies and puts them out like they're a role-playing game. I kind of want to do that with Farscape. I summon bigger fish. Exactly! God, I haven't read that comic in forever. (sighs) All right, I think that'll about do it. I think that'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.